Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt I've got like 20 minutes of announcements, so just chill. No, I'm joking. I'm totally, 
totally joking. How is everyone doing? Welcome. Welcome. I'm Jason. I'm our uh, marketing social media guy. It's nice to see you. It's nice to see some faces I haven't seen. It's nice to see some faces that I just keep seeing, which is great because I love you all. I hope you didn't take that the wrong way. I didn't mean it like, like that. Hope you didn't take it that way. Anyway, in a couple days is the 4th of July. Who is a fireworks fan? Who is just no thanks? Yeah. I'm, there's just no, I'm not eight anymore. There's no appeal to them anymore for me. And we have dogs, we always have had dogs and they've had such issues with them. I have, a, I, have a, I have a quick story. Our very first year in our new house, our dog was like a year and a half old, very terrified of fireworks. So we got him some tranquilizers and I should have given him the tranquilizers just to calm him down because he needed a half a pill, but Tina gave him three full pills. And he was like, just panicked eyes, like what have you done? And I called the vet, the emergency vet, and I told them the situation and they said, their first question was, is your dog still breathing? <laughs> and Tina burst into, she was pregnant, she burst into tears, it was just a whole thing. And I had to stay awake that whole night and just shake him awake every half an hour. They said, if he makes it through the night, he'll be fine. So it was just, all right, all right, bud, wake up. It was, a, it was very stressful. And, but he lived another 12 years, and he was fine. He was totally fine. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Pets, that's the, that's the gist of that. So anyway, the thing, the thing I want to talk about this morning mainly is I want to talk about Disco's Got Talent. It's on July 14th. Um, you know, just come, just come and help us fund just a really beloved disco family for their launch into full-time missions. Um, it is $25 a person. It's a great date night or like a friend's night out. Unless your kids are performing, it's probably best to leave them home, I would, I, I would gather. Um, and we have some paper invitations available after the service and pick some up and invite your friends and neighbors. I really need to be reading from notes because I look out and I see all of your faces and I just get really excited and I get very distracted. So see, two of my faces just walked in. Now I don't even remember what I was saying. Um, so that is, my, that, that is my main announcement. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> that's, my, that's, that's the main thing. That's the main thing I wanna say. We have some other things coming on in July, but I guess we're, I guess we're not gonna talk about them or maybe we will a little bit later. So what you can expect today, um, in a few minutes we're gonna continue singing, um, we're gonna share some communion, um, we're gonna hear from a guest speaker, it's gonna be fantastic, we're gonna pray together, um, we'll sing some more and then I'll be back up here to close it out. So that's about all we have going on, I think. That's, uh-oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm going to get off the stage here. Thank you, Jason. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me, Bob Ross, and your fellow disco friends, Chris and Stephanie. We're going to give you a little sneak peek into what to expect for that sports and arts camp. Have you heard of that? You've heard of that. Okay, so Chris and Stephanie, thank you for joining me. Will you tell our friends here? And you know, 
friends, you know there's nothing wrong with having a tree as a friend. What's going to be happening on the sports side of camp this year? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, there, there will be all sorts of arts and craftiness happening. Some examples include team flags, bracelet making, Grand Prix car making, and more. And don't worry, when you are in the arts rotation, there are no mistakes, just happy little accidents. <laughs> Well, thank you for asking, Chris. I appreciate that. It's very kind of you. There are so many opportunities still for you to get involved. Don't worry, you didn't miss out. Last week, we had 37 volunteers from our team at our first training. That's right. And at our next week's training, July 9th, we have an opportunity to join us. We are specifically looking for a snacks lead, so if you feel like that's you, come see Bob. Or, you know, if there's other areas you think you might be excited to join, that we'll make space for you. We want you to be with us. Now, we'd love for you to be praying with us. We're praying for 90 kids at sports camp. And next week we'll be... My, my beard kind of got a little... Um, We'll be passing out bookmarks with prayer requests for you to join us. And, uh, and financially, we would love for you to help us sponsor 40 kids. <laughs> it takes $40 to sponsor a child, and we are already 40% of the way there. So thank you for your generosity. Well, there's one more thing. You know, it's hard to see things when you're too close. Take a step back and look. to serve with him uh, in our sports and arts camp. So you guys are the real lucky ones. So. All right, let's go ahead and stand and continue worship. Oh. 
to remind me of your love you
As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest. Come on, let's declare in faith. Come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you feel the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you feel the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know Let's sing as the Spirit. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. You're here and I know you are 
a while for our once um, man it just we get in our cars and the world tells us what we should want we drive by billboards and the world tells us what we should want we open our phones and the world tells us what we want we watch a show and we're interrupted multiple times the world tells us what we want and we begin chasing that running after it, craving it, fighting for it, working for it, mad when we don't get it. And then we have these holy moments once a week. That our souls are awakened again. All that the world offers is so empty. Jesus, we need you, and Jesus, we pray this morning over the course of our time of worship and that time in your word, that you would awaken our taste buds, that in this room, like the, uh, an aroma would fill it, that would make our mouths water only for you, Jesus that we would once again thirst for the only kind of water that quenches the thirst, the only food that satisfies. And I pray that we wouldn't just have a few moments where it's awakened and we're tingled, but I pray that we might walk out with a greater fervor and passion and commitment to reorient not only where our feet walk this week, but how our hands act and the words that we say, and I pray that our homes would be changed, that we would be reminded in our home, in our marriage, under this roof, we would be a people that crave and thirst and hunger and pursue Jesus himself above all things. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all we want. And if this is not true, I pray over the next few moments that your tender hand would soften and awaken and stir. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you be seated just for a moment? Worship team, would you sing that again in just a minute? 
after, after we do Lord's Supper. Would you be ready to just do that in a minute? Okay. This morning, uh, family, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And um, for a lot of reasons, we've been doing Lord's Supper uh, in one way for the last two and a half years, three years. We've been having a little basket there and giving you some cups. Um, and we, we haven't had a moment together at the table. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to offer both, both options. Um, and I just want to say that both are, are valid and holy and beautiful and worshipful. Deal? Okay, so at the table, you're going to see a basket. Uh, it's on my left or your right. It's a white and brown basket. Inside there are some cups. And then the cups we've been using where you peel off the top and then you peel the second layer. And we're going to invite you to come forward and, uh, as a family. And if you prefer that, you just take one of those back to your seat. If you would like to uh, be served bread and some juice, um, we have a healthcare professional serving this morning. And uh, yes, not Mike, but uh, so. Um, but if you if you'd like that, we're going to have these available. And so, what I'm going to do first, and so I'll give you a couple some other instructions as one. Um, at Discovery, we, we always have what's called open communion, which means that you do not have to be a member of Discovery um, or one of our you know, mini sister kind of churches. All right? we, don't, you don't, we don't require that. Here's the only thing that the Scripture uh, calls us to do is to celebrate this act of communion or Lord's Supper if and only if you have committed your life to follow Jesus Christ. And again, that's different from growing up Methodist or Baptist or Lutheran, okay? It's different than your, than your mama's a person of faith and that you try real hard to be good American. The New Testament calls us to follow Jesus alone. And if you've had a moment in your life where you said, Jesus, I want to follow you, then we want to invite you. I also want to recognize this morning as we take communion that um, because it's, a, it's an intimate act of worship, sometimes even... When you know, like, when I was 15, I committed my life to Jesus, or when I was 35, I did, and, but today I feel like a mess. Like, you did some things this week that you just hope nobody finds out about, or you feel like you've been in a season that you just feel so distant, and you don't feel worthy. I want you to know that that's why we take the Lord's Supper, okay? We don't take the Lord's Supper because, I mean, the people that are going to get up and walk down here... I promise you, these are not people that got all their stuff together, okay? Um, we celebrate this because this is a, a reminder that God sent His one and His only Son. And He, he went to the cross, not as an act of injustice. He went to the cross for justice. He went to the cross because you and I have some barriers, some things that stand between us and God. And he went and he carried those. He carried your sin, my sin, that barrier between us and God. He carried it and he paid the full penalty. He fulfilled that. That was an act of justice. And not only did he fulfill that, he was buried. And on the third day, he, everybody, rose again. And this wasn't just a God's stamp of approval for it. It was God's stamp of approval that it was his one and only son. But it was also a powerful, a powerful moment in history that says that you do not have to be dead too. 
Like your sins don't have to continue to win. So here's, here's the, the short of it. If this morning you're feeling really distant from God, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11, and I would encourage you just to take a couple of moments before you celebrate, before you take the bread and the juice, and I would just want to encourage you to say this. Dear God, I feel distant, and then say why. Just name it. Like if it was a friend that you had done dirty and you had to make right again. You would, you would not just have some like, yeah, sorry. You'd be specific. Just today, just be specific and name it. And then say, God, would you forgive me? First John chapter 1 tells us this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And watch this word. It's so powerful. And to purify us from all unrighteousness. The very moment a Jesus follower says, I, I have been in a season, God. Will you forgive me at that very moment? The sins are separated as far as the east is from the west. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ until the day he returns. I'm going to pray, and after I'm done praying, I'm going to invite you to get up from your seat and come forward. Take the elements. I think it's a fantastic thing to go back to your seat and do it with, uh, uh, with your family or to do it just between you and God this morning. Just take a moment in your seat and say, thank you, God, for what you've done on the cross. Jesus, this morning we, we are remembering not the religious traditions of, of people that we feel bound to uh, repeat. No, this morning we are remembering, Father God, your son Jesus, your one and only son who you sent to not only prove something to the big world out there, but to save and redeem broken people like me. The work on the cross was an incredible work of justice where you fulfilled what must be fulfilled. And the empty grave on the third day is everlasting proof that a man or a woman who puts their trust in Jesus can live again. Not just on the other side of our last breath, but we can live today Jesus, you said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but you came that we might have life and have it to the full. Today we celebrate that you offer life to broken people like us. In your name we pray. Amen. Please come and take the elements.
great. Thank you, guys. Um, we're going to continue worship this morning by opening up God's Word. Um, as a church, we've been walking through the Gospel of Luke. I want to encourage you to find Luke chapter 8 in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, we've been in a series called Gravity, and we're talking about the hard places or the heavy things in life. And we've been going there for the last, like this is the fifth week, we've been talking about some of the challenging things that we just don't like to talk about in church. And so we tucked them in the summertime in the, uh, the, where the sun is shining in the bright times. And so we've, been, we've just been talking about some of these things that we need to talk about. And not just talk about them, but see how Jesus engages in some of the heavy places or difficult things in life. And in Luke 8, I think we just, we, we just see it so richly played out in Scripture but we also see it played out in our life. And uh, last week we had the blessing of having um, a good friend of mine here. 
And uh, this week we have another friend, a uh, friend of many of us in this room, and she's been a friend of mine for a long time. And she's been a part of Discovery, been on Discovery staff at some different seasons in her life. And uh, she has a lot to say about the subject we're going to talk about today. God's, God's done a lot in and through her life and also spoken uh, to her through this passage. So I'd like to introduce you a friend of mine. This is Star, Star McMillan. So, hi. Thank you, Pastor John. And Well, you know, I'm up here occasionally as a host, so it's kind of fun to be on the other side of service, I guess, or in the middle. Thank you. And I brought some treats for you guys today, some props. But I don't know uh, how you guys have thought about what, have, what you've thought about this series that we're in. It's been so rich, hasn't it? You know, even just the title, Jesus and the things that pull us down. Those are, those are, that's a big and in the middle, isn't it? To hold those two things in the same space together, in the same sentence that we can hold Jesus and our, our faith and our belief in who we know him to be. In the same moment, we can talk about these things that pull us down. So I, I'd like us today to talk about that and, this holy and. It's actually a deeply biblical concept, and it's a concept, if any of you guys have been in therapy, a lot of times uh, they talk about the middle way, um, using this and instead of but. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today while we're reading through Luke 8, 49 through 56. This passage is uh, all about grief, loss, and lament. I got the fun stuff. <laughs> Actually, this whole series has been about some, some hard things, right, and how we can invite Jesus in. You know, this is timely, I think, to talk about grief and loss, not only in our culture. I think since COVID and beyond, we, we've experienced a lot of loss, haven't we, as a, as a world and as a, as a country? And even here at Discovery, just this year, I think we've, we've gone through a lot of grief, haven't we? Uh, I think there's a couple months there where I did not want to go to another funeral and see more friends. Um, it's been hard. It's been hard. So I know that, like me, you have probably come in this morning maybe with some things on your heart. Maybe it's not specifically the loss of a person, like we're going to read in this, in this passage, but maybe there's some other things that you're grieving, some other losses, some disappointments, maybe a loss of a friendship or a relationship or hope or a dream, and maybe you're still grieving the fact that it really won't ever come to be the way you thought it would be, because it happens, doesn't it? So I, I'd like to just take that a moment for you to kind of access that a little. And I promise I'll be, I'll be careful with you this morning, but um, let's, let's put those things on the altar. Let's put those things on the table for the Lord to, to do his work in. Those, those disappointments, if we're really honest with the Lord, where have we been disappointed? Even, dare I say, by him, by what we thought would happen. I think this will be helpful as we go into this passage. So we're going to read together. Luke 8, 49 through 56, and here's what it says. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and he said this to Jairus. Your daughter is dead, he said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. 
When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what happened. Well, as we lean into this topic of grief and loss, can we just first acknowledge that this is a hard passage to read because for most of us, we have not experienced a miracle, right? In these losses, we have not gotten the happy ending or even the miraculous ending that we see here. We long for this ending. So this can be a hard passage to pause on. I actually, uh, when Pastor John first talked to me about speaking about this, I knew that there was a series coming up, and one of the topics was going to be on grief, and that's what I was going to talk about. And then he gave me the passage, and I thought, that's not fair, because he knows my story. He knows that there's some things that were not happy endings, and yet here is this passage. And so I'm right there with you, friends. In fact, um, I find this passage offensive a little bit. Can I just say that? There's some things about it that just seem too simple and too trite, and how, what do we do with it when that didn't happen for us? So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And at first, I'd like to share a little bit about my own story. A lot of you know kind of my story, but some of you might not. And so just briefly, I'll, I'll kind of tell you my own experience with, with grief and loss, or at least the big one. Um, five years ago, I suddenly and unexpectedly lost my husband, as our four kids also lost him as their dad, when he suddenly, uh, he got a cold that turned to pneumonia real fast that went septic, and within hours of getting into the hospital, he was gone. We weren't prepared for it, obviously. It was pretty sudden. But it wasn't just that one loss, because darn it, loss does not happen in a vacuum, does it? It, it gets pretty complicated. So not only did we lose Chad, my late husband, But we were a ministry family. That was our big headliner. That was our big platform. That was our big passion. We were in ministry. My husband and I were in college ministry for years. We planted churches that are still here today in the north, around the northwest at college towns. And um, so that was our big platform and our ministry. We were co-partners in that. And while we were doing that, we we birthed two daughters, and then we foster-adopted two sons, and that became kind of another platform, another passion of ours to talk about adoption and what that looks like, especially as we are adopted children of the Lord. And so to have our two big headliners suddenly um, have this big headline of grief as our newest platform, one that I did not want, thank you very much. I didn't have a big passion for it. I did not want to be a spokesperson for that. And not only that, but it, it robbed us of the other, two, the other two headliners in our life. We lost the pastor in our ministry, and we lost the father to our little adopted family. And here's the other bitter irony that actually hit us the, the morning I had to tell my kids that they lost their dad, when I was tucking in my oldest adopted son. And we, we prayed together, and we just looked at each other and said, life is hard. He was nine. Because the irony is that we had fought for those little boys, hoping that we could interrupt and stop the loss and the trauma they had already experienced, that we could promise them two parents and a stable household, and then this happened. And that irony was not lost 
on me or my little nine and seven-year-old. So I tell you this um, because I can also say that, yes, time has gone on, and that grief and that loss does change, and I can be up here and talk about it, which I couldn't have done right away, of course. Um, And I can also say that we experience God's comfort and our faith in such a richer, deeper way than we ever would have without it. Would we have chosen it? Not, Not ever, never. But we experience God in a really deep and beautiful way. It's not what we longed for, and it's not what we hoped for, but God knows this. He's there in our longing. He's there in our disappointment. And he holds this spiritual tension, that and, that hard things happen and we believe in God. So when we look at Luke 8, I want us to look at it with um, looking for the beauty in this passage, not just of a a daughter who was healed, because that's beautiful, but for most of us, that's not going to be what it looks like. So I want us to dig for the hope that we can find in loss because there is hope to be found in loss. And I've learned this, and the best way I can explain it, especially in our culture, is that we, we need to learn the difference between worldly grief and biblical holy lament. So can we just use those words this morning that there's this grief that we understand, but there's something more beautiful that God's called us to, this lament that holds a lot more. So I've brought a little, um, a little visual, like I promised you. Um, hopefully this looks pretty familiar to you. Many of you guys might have Amazon Prime, right? Or get little packages at the door. And um, I have Prime, so you know we'll, we'll order a lot of random things, and it sometimes all comes together uh, in the same box, right? So for me, sometimes I might get a big new wrench in there because I I do some flipping on the side or maybe like some fancy facial lotion, right? It's just like all the random things get tossed in there and you get this package. So we're going to use this to talk about and, this concept of and that I told you about and how important this can be in understanding what biblical lament looks like. So bear with me. First, let's just talk about the and. Um, instead of but. So I'll give you some examples. And you guys, you can take this home and use this tool when you're uh, in a discussion with your spouse, when you're arguing with your kiddos, when anytime there's two statements that seem to be uh, on two sides of an argument, you can use this very powerful, very biblical word of and. I'll give you an example. If someone made me dinner, I could say, I loved dinner, but... That's not going to be a good one, right? I love summer, but... So whenever we use but, we actually end up discounting both sides of the argument. We invalidate the other side. Instead, what we could say is, I love summer, and it can be hot and uncomfortable. And sometimes it can be really cold at church when they get that AC going, right? (laughs) Today, not so much, but sometimes we get that. I love my kids, And parenting can be hard. Both are so true. And when we use the word and, we validate both sides. And we can come to a place where we can work with both. We're holding space for both, right? So we're going to use this word and today. So when we talk about lament, it's not just grief. We talked about how it's also hope. 
right? The Bible weaves these things together. Paul reminds us in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, he says, Do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. You know, we're often afraid to completely grieve because it looks like hopelessness, doesn't it? It looks like maybe even a lack of faith. Yet lament actually has worship woven into it as well. Did you know um, the Psalms, right? Those are songs and, and poems. Two-thirds of them are lamenting. Lament is a form of worship, and what's beautiful about this is we can, when we use lament instead of grief, it's not self-centered. It's actually God-centered. He can handle our lament. He can handle our grief, our hope, and our worship. When we say but, we discredit our grief and what we know to be true about God. And so let's use that word and. So how do you hold grief and hope together? When I lost my husband, I had to lean on some things, and some things were just, I just had to be honest with the Lord. I'm grieving, I'm disappointed, I'm sad, I'm mad, I'm scared. And God is with me, God is good, God is here. How can they both be true? I don't know, but God does. And he holds that spiritual tension for us, and we know that that holy and can be true. We can trust him with those ands. It's deeply biblical. He is merciful and he is just. Lament holds these ands. So now when we look at Luke 8, we're, now we're primed and ready, right? Now we can look at this and go, okay. So there's Jairus' story and there's my story. And they look different, but both can be true, Right? So here's a few things that Jesus is calling us to include in these three things in this box. First, we see that Jesus wants, and I'm going to actually put these in here because we can hold both of these things, right? Jesus wants us to bother the teacher. And I'm going to turn this around because our and is is also lament, right? So what can we include in our lament? Well, we talked about worship, right? We talked about how we can cry and praise in our worship and in our lament. Both can be true. Next, we're going to look at these scriptures in in Luke 8. The first one is that Jesus wants us to bother the teacher. I'll remind you, verse 49, it said, While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Let me give you a little context. This is immediately right after Jesus healed the bleeding woman. And so he's still speaking. He just healed someone. And let's give this a broader context. In the whole history of mankind, we only got Jesus for about 33 years, right? He only spoke and taught for about three of those years, right? And it's okay to bother the teacher, we, he wants us to share in our grief. He wants us to interrupt the pattern. He wants us to lean into community. He has actually put people around you that he wants you to interrupt and say, I need help. I'm sad. I'm alone. I'm scared. I'm mad. 
He's actually calling us to interrupt. I can't imagine a larger interruption, right, than interrupting the Savior of the world in his short little ministry to say, can, can you leave the crowds and come to my personal house? And yet he wants us to bother him. He wants to share in your grief, and he wants us to share in each other's grief. You know, the Jewish culture was, did this far better than our culture, right? They, they took time to interrupt their pattern, their life, their schedule to sit and grieve. We see in Job, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with that story, Job lost everything dear to him, his family, his, his property, his wealth, everything. Even his wife just said, why don't you just curse God and die, right? It was, it was a dark time. And his friends came, traveled up to him, and they sat with him for seven days and seven nights on the ground. And they said nothing because they could see how deeply distressed he was. Talk about an interruption. God tells us that our grief is worthy of being interrupted, that we, he wants us to bother him. And our, our culture misunderstands this. We kind of skip over it, or we even do a discredit to grief ourselves by saying, you know, I'm getting over it, I'm getting through it, I'm getting past it. And what we do is we unintentionally interrupt God's process in us to lament, to sit in it and still trust that God is good, even in our sadness. We end up forcing kind of a short-sighted grief instead of a, a biblical vision of lament. I'll give you another illustration of this. In John 11, Jesus went to the home of Lazarus and his sister Mary and Martha because Lazarus had died. And right before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he, he knows, he knows that the ending is going to be good on this one, right? He actually takes time, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible, you guys know it. What is it? He wept. He took time to weep. And then later it says that he was deeply moved. He took this time to weep with his friends and to be deeply moved over the pain that they had already gone through before he instilled so much hope and a good ending. Isn't that, isn't that rich? Isn't that good stuff? Even in the miraculous ending that God has hope and, and, and wants to grieve with us. Isaiah 43.2 says that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And 1 Peter 5, 6-7 tells us how to, how to invite him in. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting your cares on him because he cares for us. Bother the teacher, speak up and tell him. Bother your community, allow them time and space to care for you. And just a side note here, um, there's, in this passage, there's a lot of people who are doing and saying the wrong things. Have you caught that? <laughs> Don't bother the teacher, there's people wailing, Jesus like, stop wailing. Uh, even at the end, I think it says the parents were astonished. You know, people are not understanding exactly what's going on, and that's okay. So just a side note, as someone who has tried to comfort others and from someone who has received a lot of comfort from others, we're not necessarily going to do it right. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. So if you are someone who's caring for someone who's gone through a lot of loss, lean in. Be cool like Job's friends and just sit with them. You don't even have to say a word. But just be there. And if you're someone who's going through grief and loss, 
let me promise you two things. You're going to have a lot of people that God wants to put around you to care for you. You need to let them in. You need to let people help you. It's a hard thing to do, but you need to learn how to do it. And you need to allow the offensive things that people accidentally do and say to roll off. Just give it to God. Just put it in this box and be like, people want to help and people can offend. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> people were... <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, it's so worth it to allow community to, to enter. And it's, I, I would have robbed so much beauty and that rich comfort that God pr- promises if I had cut out bothering people. If I had come to church and saw all the shiny, happy faces and thought, someone asked me how I'm going to do it, I'm going to burst into tears. So I'm either not going to come to church or I'm going to figure out how to lie and I'm going to tell them I'm doing fine and I don't need any help. I would have robbed myself of so much lavish comfort and grace and hope. So that's just a little side note. That's a little bonus for you. (laughs) Okay, the second thing that Jesus is calling us to is to intentionally work on our faith. Okay, so in verse 50, it says, Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. Honestly, I could read this another way, and it would really make me mad. Don't be afraid, just believe. Can you imagine if someone said that to you moments after losing your child? Don't be afraid, just believe. Oh my goodness, if anybody but, if it was anyone but Jesus, I would have some words, right? <laughs> and maybe even if I was Jairus, I'd be like, um. <laughs> it, I, honestly, when I read this, I thought, I don't know what to do with this. It feels so trite. I, I feel, I, honestly, people, I feel kind of crappy about it right now as we're revisiting this. In the middle of morning, you will not feel like believing, You will not want to hear someone say, just believe. But belief in God is actually a rational thing. It's not a feeling. Faith is not a feeling. It is a choice to stand on the word of God, a choice you make, hopefully, outside of this grief. I had made a choice years before that I knew God was good even when it made zero sense to me. That I knew that God was here even when I could not hear him or feel him or see him in my circumstances. I see this faith growing out of this story, out of this loss that doesn't look like what we're used to. It's a holy faith, and it's not based on feeling that comes and goes. Faith is based on a belief. John eleven twenty five 25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, believes in him, not feels him. That's not always going to happen, honestly, that we feel God's presence. It's not. Faith is a decision to stand on God's word. Friends, without a doubt, Jesus wants to grow our faith. So it's not just based on our feelings. From my experience, in the darkest times, you will have the opportunity and the challenge to choose to stand on faith and stand on his word beyond your feelings, beyond your understanding. Even faith of the size of a mustard seed. You don't have to have big faith. I promise you, I don't. Oftentimes, especially in these hard moments. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So this means that we can stare into the abyss of the darkness we're going through. 
Not ignoring it, but choosing faith. Mark 9.24 speaks to the cry of our hearts when it says, I do believe, help me in my unbelief, right? We can hold both of these things. Isaiah 41.10 reminds us that we're not experienced, expected to do this with our own strength. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Belief requires a faith that God is not dismayed. Even when we're shocked and rattled to our core, God is not. Isn't that good? Isn't that so good? That we can be honest that I am rattled to my core, but God, you're not surprised. This didn't happen out of the corner of your eye. What? What happened over there? Whoops. Didn't mean for that to happen. God, God knows our days. He knows what's happening, and he's not dismayed. Probably the richest illustration I can pull from this is um, Jesus demonstrating this on the cross, voicing his lament and his faith. And it's still, I still, don't, I still can't wrap my human mind around this, but, but let's do it together. Remember when Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you, do you guys remember the word? Forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Boy, that's, that'll rattle your faith, Right? You know, did you know he was actually quoting a psalm? This, these words had been written years and years before. And I, I want to read it to you. It's Psalm 22. Jesus knowingly and beautifully weaves grief and hope together in this by quoting this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. And yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In our ancestors, they put their trust in you, and they trusted you, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out, and they were saved. In you they trusted and they were not put to shame. You know, knowing and standing on the word of God in our faith helps us recall what we do know about God. Recall our own history and the Bible's history of all the times he's come through for us. Of all the tragedies that we read about and that we know about that God has come through. Maybe not in the way we, all, we thought it would happen, but he does come through. And lastly... Look for the areas that you can raise up. In verse 55, we see that her spirit returned. Jesus raised her from the dead. And at once she stood up. And then Jesus didn't bring it home with some really good teaching. He said, give her something to eat. We need to celebrate where life is happening while we're grieving the loss. And that's a hard one sometimes. We may not see the things raised and healed that we wanted to see raised and healed. But it doesn't mean that God isn't doing something. That he isn't raising something something else up in our life. So we need to look for where life and comfort is happening. There is rich comfort to be found. You know, Matthew 5.4 says, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
And you know, in immediate loss, a lot of times this is physical needs. We see throughout Jesus' ministry, right? He addresses people's physical needs. Oftentimes, at the same time, if not before, he brings the spiritual message. Because we, we do have needs that need to be fulfilled. And sometimes grief can be so overwhelming that we forget to eat. Something so basic. When my husband passed away, I remember uh, Discovery was amazing. They came around us. I, I don't think my feet touched the ground for at least two weeks. And I remember that first day, lots of people coming in and just sitting with us. And someone brought me a plate, this little white plate, and it had a, a carrot on it, one little, like a baby carrot. <laughs> and I looked at it as some foreign object. I didn't understand. I mean, I knew I needed to eat, but I remember putting it in my mouth, and in my head I thought, so I just move my teeth up and down on this then? Like, that's how in shock I was. I, I, I had to remind myself how to eat, and I, it, was so, it felt so foreign and unnecessary to force myself to swallow. That, that is some deep shock and some deep need that's so basic that sometimes we forget that we can care for people just in their basic needs. And that I had four little ones who still needed me to parent them. A piece of me had died, but there was a whole lot that God had still put on my plate that was not dead to me and that desperately needed me. Friends, right now, wherever you are, in whatever pain or loss you're experiencing, remind yourself that God has put something on your plate. There's a lot that we're going to have to put in this box and trust God with, right? But there's some things that he's put on our plate to do, and it might just be as small as a little carrot. <laughs> just eat that carrot. Just move your teeth up and down until it starts feeling normal again. Just take care of those people that God stewarded you with. You know, later today, I imagine a lot of you are going to be going to the baseball game with Discovery. And I think this is a beautiful illustration of this point, that we can journey through gravity together, that we can journey through grief and loss and lament, that we can sit here together and talk about some pretty heavy, hard things, right? But it's still okay, and we still have permission to go out in that sunshine and laugh and have fun at a baseball game together. And that is just as holy and just as important in our community and in our families to care for those things, to bring comfort. I will tell you one of the most beautiful things that has come from our family is um, that we seize life like never before, that we are out in nature like never before, that we try to take things so lightly Instead of hard, we try to get past things because life is so precious and life is so short. And comfort is so um, important, and we can drink richly from it. Remember that things are still vibrantly alive in your life. Isaiah 43, 19 says this, and it's become a big verse for our family. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? Do you see it? Are you looking for it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Friends, I want you to celebrate where you see life happening. While still allowing time to grieve and lament loss in other places. If you get one thing out of this passage, out of this story is that God does provide wonderful, rich hope to be found in the loss. And we'll miss it if we don't lament properly. 
if we don't put God at the center and trust him with our honest thoughts and feelings. I want to take a minute and just have you guys sit with whatever that loss is a little bit. I'm going to pray over you. So I, I invite you to bow your heads. As we visit and kind of put on the altar our own disappointments and losses. While still holding what we know to be true about God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you want to bring life and resurrection in all our lives. It may not be in the areas we expect or want. Honestly, that's hard for us to understand at times. So in those times of dismay, we also thank you for your comfort, your word, and your community that you've placed around us. They're all there to help support us in our lament. God, help us see where you're at work, what you've put on our plate. As some of our desires and dreams are buried, we watch for you to bring a resurrection in other places, a resurrection in our grief. God, I thank you that you promised to bring us such incredible hope, even in our loss. Lord, I pray that you'd help us get good at the end. That we can trust you with both sides of how we're feeling. Lord, that you hold that spiritual tension for us. That you hold what pulls us down. And Lord, that you'll raise up Jesus in our hearts and minds. We pray this in your name. Amen. We are in a um, season of prayer. We've set, a, set aside 120 days for prayer. And part of that is we're taking a little bit of extra time every service for uh, just quiet, still moments of responding to God in prayer. So before we go any further, I know Star has um, helped us sit in Luke chapter 8 and navigate how Jesus walks in those toughest places. And she's led us in prayer, but I'm going to invite you again just to bow with me. And I want to give you a couple more moments. Um, you may have a few more things that you want to talk with God about. And uh, the band's going to play just quietly. And then I'll wrap us up. And we will have a last song after that, so don't go anywhere. But let's pray together, if, if you would.
Our Father, we thank you again for a moment today that pierces the, the rhythm of craving that the world stirs and fires up in us 24-7. We thank you for this moment on Sunday where you have called us to not only lift our eyes but our souls to heaven to be reminded that there are things greater than our cravings that we need, that there are miracles that are greater than the resurrection of this dream that we've had, the resurrection of this loss that we've experienced, this resurrection, the specific one, that there are actually some things far greater that you are working in our lives right now. And so my prayer this morning, Lord, is I pray that not only would you work those greater things, that you would grow that faith in me and us, but I pray, Father, that you would give me a craving for those things, that you would that you would give in me a longing for the things of heaven, the things that you want in me. Father, I'm asking that you would resurrect in your church a powerful, mighty hand in the city. God, we are looking and longing for you to work a work in our generation. We have... We have talked about it for quite a long time about the polarization and the pain and the distance We've, we're watching more of the younger generation move away from faith and they're moving away from faith Not I don't believe because of the lack of the power of the gospel but lack of that power being lived out in the church so I'm asking Jesus that you would fill this church with men and women whose eyes are fixed on heaven, whose tongues crave the things of heaven, and whose hands are busy about the gospel's work in our city. God, I pray that you might help us, our eyes be open, not just to the things that we wish we had and things we don't have and things we want, but I pray that our eyes would be open to the things that heaven wants for our world, that you'd help our our eyes be lifted up to see the fields that they're white and are harvest. And I'm praying you do an amazing work in our in our generation. Father, there's a church, we're praying. We're praying for a couple of things right now. We're praying for a family who has said yes to you that wants to serve you on the other side of the globe. I'm praying that you would raise up a ton of supporters here. So when we get to July 14, we talk about this um, you know, this talent show, it really is a moment for the church to come alongside a family and help launch them into mission. Father, we're praying that you would launch this family well, that they would just, that they would be able to step out and watch amazing things happen through their lives. God, the next thing we're praying for as a church, we're praying that the sports and arts camp, that, that you'd use it to bring a taste of heaven to children, particularly here on the east side of Tacoma, our neighbors, people that we love, kids that are so deeply, desperately in need of hope. God, I pray that this little camp would be just a taste of heaven, Father. God, right now we have a team of people in Mexico. I pray, Father, as they're beginning to cross the border from the U.S. to Mexico, as they're going down to love on families and volunteers, the service some kids in Mexico with the greatest needs, I pray in Jesus' name that you grow them close to you and that you do amazing things in and through their lives. God, empower your church, Discovery Community Church, to be your hands and your feet here in the east side in Lincoln, in this Lincoln district, in this school. May you do amazing things. In Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I want to thank you again on a 
July 2nd, um, you know, when there's a lot of things on your plate. I want to thank you for coming. I hope that you walk out this morning going like, man, I'm glad I came. Um, do you? Some of you feel that way? A couple of you? Amen. We're not quite done. A couple of things we're going to do is we're going to pass some baskets from my right. And they're going to work to my left. And this is what we call our giving back to God time. And here's what we'd like to ask. If this is your first time with us, here's the only thing we want. We don't put, want you to put any dollars in there. We would love for you just to put there's a card inside that worship folder that says connect. If you could put your name on there and the best way to contact you. And then we're not going to harass you. We're not going to sell your info. But we do want to send you a little note and let you know how you can connect. Um, because church isn't an hour and, well, 15 at this point. It's a family on mission, and there's a place in the family for you. And if it's not Discovery, that's okay. There's other great churches. In fact, that's one of the things I talk about. We did a, we did a guest reception last week, and I gave them the same spiel. I'm, I say, I'm a terrible salesman for Discovery Community Church. Um, I really want you to engage with the gospel and be planted somewhere. And so, yeah, we're not going to twist your arms uh, here, but we really, if this is the place that God's calling, we want to help you get plugged in because there is a, a mission here in this city that's so important that requires, watch this, that requires you. You are part of God's strategy, and so we'd love to help you be a part of that. So anyway, um, if you want to pass, start passing those baskets, and uh, we'd love for you to do that. As soon as the basket gets by, would you stand up? We're going to sing a closing song. And uh, Jason, Jason will come right at the end. Are you going to say like two seconds at the end? Okay, so Jason will give us two seconds at the end. All right, let's do this. Thank you, guys. Say a big round of applause for, just a thank you applause to Star. Grace that flows like a river washing over me found of heaven love of Christ overflow in me thank you Jesus you send me my Savior, you rescued me, take this life delivered, a vessel of your
today. My, my announcements are going to be so quick, you won't even need to sit down, okay? Um, what's really cool about the summer is we get to leave everything up in here, but we still do need some help out there and in the hallways. Um, yeah, so just check in with, gosh, I guess that's me. Check in with me. I'll just run off stage. Check in with me about what you can possibly do to help us out. Um, Kirsten will be Kirsten will be out here in the foyer with your Rainier's tickets. There is still time. There is still time to sign up to go. She'll probably just give you tickets at this point. Like, not even joking. If you'd like to join us, um, but if you have to hustle out of here, if you've got to skedaddle, um, we'll just. There will be a table right. Um, there will be a table right like outside um, the ticket booth at the Rainier's game, and I will find a blacker way to say skedaddle, <laughs> moving forward. Wow, skedaddle, okay. Apologies. That is it, everyone. Have a good weekend. Have a great week, I love you. <laughs>